What Ho podcast pals and welcome back to Discontent Provider, the show that in a bitterly regretted moment of drunken candour once admitted that it has always rather fancied your mother and now simply has to waffle ineffectually about current affairs in order to fill the resultant awkward silence. You know, cats and kittens, as Arkham and I take the pure air of our happy place and contemplate its secluded beauty, even now in the grey tinge fag end of winter, it's hard, even here, to shake off a sense of unease. Yes, while we remain here, we hear naught but birdsong and the exuberant splash and gurgle of the babbling brook, yet we are aware, beyond our tiny refuge, talk is of gloom, fiscal pain and economic stagnation. Fair gets on a chap's threepenny bits is what it does. This week, the news was broken to the nation that our rarely, if ever, United Kingdom is in the grip of a technical recession. I can't honestly say that the nation seemed at all that flabbergasted by the disclosure, and while I'm positive that the noble and selfless savants of the city, and other financial wizards who toil so tirelessly to stop the wheels coming off of the economy, are, as I speak, heading into their studies in droves, bottles of scotch and revolvers in hand preparatory to doing the honourable thing, the general mood of dear old Blighty appears to be the same one of grudging and moody resignation with which us Britishers meet triumph and disaster alike. So what else, the public sigh wearily, is new? Rather as one might, were one trapped in a burning crashed car and a song one truly loathes and abhors comes on the miraculously intact radio. Some, possibly because some fatuous arsehole once incautiously observed that hope springs eternal, might even be going so far as to point out that things can scarcely get worse at this point for our beleaguered little isle, yet... As some literary giant, Shakespeare probably, or perchance it was Helen Fielding, pointed out that cometh the hour, cometh the man, we now see the perennially smirking prick with the purse strings, Jeremy Hunt, striding from the smoking wreckage of dear old Britain's finances, all set to snatch armour fucking Geddon from the jaws of mere catastrophe. The Chancellor, it appears, is up against it. On the one hand, he, along with Number 10's tiny tenant, had made no secret of the fact that his next budget was going to include smart tax cuts. On the other, however, the nibs who do the difficult sums at the Office for Budget Responsibility are saying there's uh, considerably less loose change under the nation's sofa cushions than had been previously thought, and that if he is to lash out five to six billion quid in tax cuts, he's going to have to wrest the doubloons away from public services that are already badly underfunded and are desperately trying to scrape together enough coppers to save up in the hope that one fine day they'll be able to dream of possibly having a two-string budget. Maybe. It is of course a no-brainer for Mr Hunt. An election year is coming up and if there's one cast-iron strategy with which our political classes simply do not fuck, it is that prior to polling the government absolutely must slap on a false beard, be it never so threadbare, and do a passable impersonation of an out-of-season Father Christmas. Now, obviously, their duplicitous largesse cannot extend to everybody, 
and previously mooted plans to knock a couple of pennies off the income tax would appear to be firmly off the table. Instead, the emphasis will be on things like reducing stamp duty and easing the burdens of corporations. As Mr Hunt observed, quote, I would only cut taxes in a way that was responsible, and I certainly wouldn't do anything that fueled inflation just when we are starting to have some success in bringing inflation down. I'm willing to concede that I may be on shaky ground here, cats and kittens. Numbers are not my bag, and figure-heavy reasoning tends to leave me dizzy and uh, nauseated. But I'd rather suggest that one of the sacred economic tenets is that if a lot of people have more money, inflation happens. So does that or does it not mean that whatever tax cutting will be barely perceptible, if that, to most people? If I read the runes aright, and do tell me if I'm on a wrong one, the implication is that whatever tax cuts will be made will be chiefly, if not entirely, beneficial to those who are already doing fairly well. Those, in short, who can be trusted not to increase inflation by going on some orgiastic spending spree on electricity, food and what have you, but will invest the savings overseas, sit on them, or donate a bob or two to the Conservative Party. But no matter. To many, the important thing is that cuts to public spending is frightfully sexy and cool, and means that the three generations of workshy layabouts that they've been told live down their mate's cousin's street will have to make do with only oh, two or three giant television sets this year, while tax cuts will be great for everybody, and dash it all, they might even find themselves eight or nine pounds a month better off, if, if they're lucky. My gosh and giddy gumdrops, that's not to be sniffed at, eh what? Even if they find themselves having to negotiate an automated menu when they ring the emergency service, or wait for an extra three months to get cancer treatment, nine bar is still nine bar. Pretty much a tenner, really, if you think about it. It might appear to those of you with more than a couple of fluid ounces of the milk of human kindness sloshing around inside your gorgeous souls that I'm painting a somewhat less than generous picture of my compatriot. And I'll concede that that's a fair point when all's said and done. So let's ask ourselves this. Are people really that thick? Is the average British punter so selfish, so short-sighted, so utterly unaware of the complex relationships that exist twixt each and every one of the multitudes that infest, sorry, which live upon our tiny speck of earth, that they will fall for the oldest trick in the tablet, scroll, or whatever else was knocking about before books were invented. Truth be told, podcast pals, I'm not sure. There are certainly times when I fancy that the vast majority of people worldwide are irredeemable morons, and there are times when I'm cheered and dazzled by some marvellous display of mass empathy, kindness, and the rejection of some witless narrative handed down by some malevolent fuckstump on high. I suppose the truth of the matter is that some people are thicker than unstirred pig shit, and some aren't, and the best way to approach the world is to take each individual as you find them, and uh, to do one's best to keep biases, both conscious and unconscious, in check until you've got a handle on whichever cat or kitten you happen to be dealing with at the time. These are hardly unique or original sentiments, of course, but it is important to bear it in mind, not only because it opens up a whole new realm of associations and friendships on a personal level, but because to assume that 
everyone who belongs to Group X will all act in exactly the same way in any given circumstance is to fall into the mode of thought that makes one malleable clay in the hands of the sort of shitfuckers that have been pitting race against race, class against class and nation against nation throughout the bloody and banal course of human history. It's tough though, is it not? Ah, oh, stone me. This week has been a rum go and no mistake. Anti-Semitism has yet again been shown to be very much alive and well in these parts, and that's neither good nor an indication that everybody hereabouts is uh, everything one might hope for in terms of the old grey matter. Even if we dismiss some claims as conflations of criticism of Netanyahu's government with out-and-out Jew-hating, as fairness compels us to do, just as much as it does if pointing out that indiscriminate slaughter of innocent civilians is said to make one an incipient terrorist sympathiser, a rise in anti-Jewish sentiment seems to be an inescapable and undeniable FACT, all caps. Even the Tory mayor in, uh, in Salisbury has been shown the door by his local party for anti-Semitism, so things must be pretty gruesome for Hebraic chums if it's spread beyond the shadowy world of leftist extremism, which is where it always lived before, apparently, and only there. Must it not? This, of course, ties in with what I mentioned earlier that the painting of groups with a broad brush seldom leads to anything good, but even if one can, at the very least, see some of it in terms of ideology or ethno-historical conflict, contemptible though those excuses are, we are left with the deeply disturbing reality that there are people in Britain who simply don't like Jews. Now, what is that about? Some say, of course, that it's a fear-based response to some sinister Zionist or globalist conspiracy. Well, witness the Labour cancel, uh, candidate for Roxdale, who was 86 by the party for his comments about the Hamas atrocities in October being a put-up job. But even if one were to be convinced by the ravings of neo-Nazis, truthers and infowars, why would that turn one against people who are simply living their lives? Let's assume... Let's assume, simply for the sake of argument, that there really were an unhallowed council of Zionist evil plotting against the rest of the world. Would their chairman say something like, So, it is decided. We shall bring ruination and despair upon the Gentiles. We'll plunge the West into penury and, to dis and despair. But be careful not to do anything to upset the Goodmans at 23 Albion Close, Yeovil. The Rabinowitzes at 441 St. Margaret's uh, Road, Bradford, etc, etc. Well, frankly, it seems unlikely. Whatever top table of monstrous horror does exist in this wicked and weary world, they're not going to pick and choose their victims based upon anything so facile as a religion or an uncertain ethnic background. They're going to fuck over anyone who isn't immediately and constructively useful to the top table of monstrous horror. To believe anything else is, and let's face it squarely, the act of a complete idiot looking to justify their dislike of people for being different in some way. When people can be so easily channelled into hatred of the other, it's hard to argue that there is a sufficient supply of intelligence or critical thinking in a society. So I trust that you'll forgive me, as I would you, for making a somewhat jaded view of people from time to time. But that's not the whole story, is it? Prescribed divisions can be, and often are, challenged, 
We can see this in the context of the Gaza shit show, where Israeli citizens are willing to condemn and campaign against the brutality of the IDF and agitate for a more constructive two-state solution, just as we can see it here, where British Jews, despite the hostility they may face, are willing, nay eager, to march with groups pushing for peace. Humanity, it would appear, is a mixed bag. Can one say more than that? I'm buggered if I can right now. Even the fact that the Tories got their pants pulled down in two by-elections doesn't really give me that much cause for giddy optimism. Though it might have done if uh, Nigel Farage's reform weirdos hadn't lost their deposits. Ah, there's always some out there, isn't there? And having reached that somewhat inconclusive conclusion, I suppose we ought to leave you with a song. While I ready myself for the subtle interplay between string and reed, a sincere thank you for listening is certainly in order. And if you're going to wear your fingers to the bone in digitally disseminating this podcast, as surely you must do, do remember the uh, opinions expressed herein are, pretty much for the most part, to be used for entertainment purposes only. Until next week then, from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, cheerio. Don't assume I'm none too bright and can't tell truth from lies Because I parrot tabloid shite with wide and trusting eyes The university of life has taught me all I know Now I rant on calling TV shows Immigration, war, divorce, I know whereof I speak I read the mail and Bright Park check out Infowars each week So don't presume to say my opinions make no sense Because I type crap in full caps don't mean I'm fucking dense The trouble with you smart-ass pricks is you can't comprehend That all your lefty liberal shit drives real folk round the bend If we don't lower taxes, the economy won't grow Millionaires have said so and they ought to fucking know The government spends fortunes on the workshy wonks and queers While I've been waiting for a hip replacement for three years Won't give the wealthy tax cuts and the cash will trickle down And there will be new hospitals in every single town Listen, I'm a good sport, so I'll give you some advice. Take heed of the thoughts of Nigel and of Richard Tice. 
You may not want to hear the truth, but I know it in my soul. Everything will be great now, we've taken back control. Forget the fight in Gaza, cause them Muslim hate us all. And every single Jew is in a globalist cabal. It stands to reason those with coin know how to get things done. And unlike socialists, they'll know what's best for everyone. And unlike socialists, they'll do what's best for everyone.